0: We all know that life is made up of decisions. One decision after another. Do I get married? Do I buy this house? Do I change my job? Do I sell my business that I've owned for years? Do I buy this? Do I, is it time to leave home? Our life is full of decisions. And once those decisions are made, it's actually so much easier. The, The hard part is making those decisions. The hard part is coming to the place Where those decisions are actually, okay, sure, I feel settled that this is the way I need to go. And I know that I'm going to face challenges, but there's direction and there's confidence and there's certainty. The Israelites often came to this place, and we're going to focus for the next two weeks on a place where they came to. They came to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And they were about to step into Canaan. They'd gone through 400 years plus in the wilderness. I mean, sorry, in Egypt. And they'd spent maybe about two years in the wilderness. Um, terrible. It was called the terrible, great and terrible wilderness. And they're standing at the edge. And Moses said to them, So this has been promised hundreds of years ago, maybe five to six hundred years ago. And Moses says to them, Look, the Lord has set this land before you. Let us go up. Well, he doesn't say let us. He says go up and possess it. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And the guys come to him and they say to him, Moses, we really think it would be a great idea if, if we took some people to just go and scout out the land and to look at the route that we should take when we go in to look at the cities. And Moses agrees. He says, no, that's cool. What we're going to do is we're going to choose 12 leaders, one from each of the tribes, men of influence to go into this land, to scout out the land. And what I want you to do is I want you to bring back a report of the land. Bring back a report about the the ground. Bring back a report about the, the people. Bring back a report about the cities. And... It'll also be really great if you bring back some evidence of what's in the land. So these guys go out, and they, they kind of go up. I looked at the map. I don't really know that area too well, but they, they kind of go up north, and then they come down, and we get to a place called Hebron as the last place. Now, Hebron's going to play quite a big role both this week and next week. So remember Hebron. They get to Hebron. And I kind of, kind of feel like the journey stops, and on the way back, they pick up a bunch of grapes and a few other fruit. And they come to Moses, um, bef- before I get there, we had there, I don't know if you saw this morning, Genesis 12 verse 1, go to land, I will show you. Moses about, not Moses, Abraham, about 500, 600 years before, who was the father of the Israelite nation. God said to him, go to land that I will show you. And he wasn't in the land of Canaan at the time, but the Bible says without hesitation, he went to this land. And when he got into the land of Canaan, God says, this is the land I will give you. And then he got to another town and God says, this is the land I will give you. And there's a bit of a detour through Egypt and he gets to a place called Hebron. And it's at Hebron that God says, Look at all the stars in the sky and see if you can count them. That's how many your descendants will be. And Abraham says, God, I've I've taken your word which you gave to me, and I've created the son Ishmael, so I know that through Ishmael I will have children. But God says, no. Moses at that time was about 100 years, and God was saying, no, you will have children through your wife Sarah, who's not much younger than you. And sorry, um, that's Abraham. Please forgive me if I get them mixed up. I know we're kind of dealing in different um, centuries here, but that's okay. Um, and God puts Abraham to sleep. And it says he had some terrible dreams, and God spoke to him. And he said, Your people, your descendants, who will be as numerous as the stars, are going to go back to Egypt. And they're going to spend 400 years in slavery. They're going to be afflicted. They're going to be tormented. And then they're going to exit out of Egypt. And they're going to come back in the third, fourth generation. They are going to come back here to Hebron. To Canaan. And they will possess the land of the Canaanites, the Gergashites, and the whole lot of other Enemites, because I'm not listing them. Okay, so we're calling them not enemies, with arts, but Enemites. Um, and what I love, I love the fact that God, I don't know if you've ever done this as a parent or as, as a friend, you kind of say, oh, how amazing is this thing that lies ahead of you. It's going to be so good when you do this. Um, and you don't tell the negatives that you know are going to come. But God is not like that. He says you are going to come back. Your descendants will come back to Hebron. And they will possess the land of the Enemites. So he doesn't hide the fact that there are going to be challenges that they're going to face when they come back. So moving back to the current story. The 12 spies return from having gone through the land. And they come back and they say, The land was absolutely amazing. It was a land of milk and honey. It was a land that was lavish. It was a land of luxury, not just quails and manna and water. (laughs) It was amazing. It's not a land where they were just going to survive, but it was a land where they were going to thrive and it's quite amazing because when God so Moses was the leader at that time and I've got that name right this time but Moses was the leader and when God had called Moses he'd said to him I've heard the cry so so the people of Israel were in Egypt at the time they were in slavery Moses has run away from Egypt because of something that happened and he's in the in in he's looking after sheep and God calls him out of a burning bush And God says to him, I've heard the cries of my people who are in Egypt. I've seen their pain. And I've come down to rescue them. I've come down to take them out of Egypt. And to lead them into a good and spacious land. Into a land of milk and honey. To a land now possessed by the Enemites. Again, God doesn't hide that there will be some things that they need to deal with when they get there. God is not just interested in taking us out of something, but he's interested in taking us out of and into. He's not just interested in setting us free, but he's interested in us walking in freedom, walking in victory, not just walking away from something. He says in um, in John 10.10, I've come that you may have abundant life. And that's what God has for us. So they've reported back that the land is the land of milk and honey. And they show the people. They, it says they give the report back to all the people. And they say, this is the fruit. And apparently the fruit was quite massive. Um, they brought it back on a pole. But what they did was so symbolic. They took something that was of the future. And they brought it into current reality. They took something that was unseen. And brought it into a place where it was seen. They brought a taste of the future into current reality. And we do the same thing. When we worship like we did today. And that was beautiful, Lee and Kelly. That was absolutely lovely. And I mean, we've... Sure, Lee, we met you... Actually, when you were leading... Not even leading Life Changes. You were working at helping the guys at Northwood. So this... Remember, yeah, you were working with some of the guys there. Anyway, moving on. But when we sing, we are bringing part of that future into current reality. We are declaring the things that are of heaven in the world today. We sang about God's mercy. We sang about God's faithfulness. We sang about just his love for us. Those are things that are of the future that we can experience now in the present. We are able to bring that future into the present by spending time with God. I don't know if you've ever sat in your morning devotions and you're wrestling with something, you don't know, you're experiencing that chaos, and suddenly there's this moment of clarity. And that's just bringing something of heaven into the present. But it gets a bit worse from there. So we've got, we've got this amazing thing, it's a land of milk and honey. It's get to taste a bit of the fruit, nevertheless. That but. We all know about that but, when that but is in a sentence. That's actually what the sentence is about. They say the people are fierce. They are large, they are tall. The cities are fortified, and they're also very large. And there were some descendants of Anak there. And previously they mentioned only three descendants of Anak. And the Anakites were giants. They were a big nation. Um, And they lived, any guesses where they lived? Hebron. They came from Hebron. Go figure. So Caleb quiets the people. We told that Caleb quiets the people. So we know that the people might have been getting a little bit itchy and restless and panicky. But he quiets the people and he says, let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to prevail. And immediately they follow with this. We are not able. They bring what is called, the Bible depends what translation we read. They bring what is called an evil report, a bad report, a negative report, an unfavorable report. And in Joshua 14, it talks about they spread rumors and they spread lies to embellish their story. And we're going to come back to that we are not able. So just park that just for a quick minute. And they said, all the people are strong. And tall like giants so we go from having three giants to having some descendants of Anak to having all the people are strong so the story just grows as we go it grows as it goes nice little phrase but and then they say this we were like grasshoppers in our eyes and so we were in these and Rich said this last week, he made the statement that how we see ourselves is not necessarily how others see us. But actually how we see ourselves creates a perception in us of how others see us. So if I see myself as not carrying much value, I think others don't think I'm valuable. So their own belief and we'll look a little bit more at their flawed beliefs just now. Their own flawed beliefs affected how they thought others were seeing them. But the reality is, and we hear later, that the nations had heard about them. And they were actually quite scared of them because they knew that this nation, this nation of Israel, their God had protected them. Their God had provided them. Their God had presenced himself with them. And he'd taken them. And he'd done miracles. And he'd, he'd just... Been with them all the way. But I want to come back to that we are not able to go up. For they are stronger than us. And that is what, that's a partial truth. Because in John 15 it says that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But that's a partial truth. Because the full truth is that with God, all things are possible. And with God, we are well able to do what he calls us in to do. So I want you to look at this image here. This is an, a partial image. And you're welcome to shout out at this time, and you're welcome to shout out at any time. But anyone tell me, can anyone tell me what this is? A zebra? Desert? Skunk? Interesting. Sorry? tiger, A bee? Okay, we've got lots of differing opinions based on a partial truth. Okay. So remember that a partial truth is not the full truth. It's an aspect of the truth. And we have to be very careful and very cautious about making conclusions based on partial truths very, very, very cautious. Knowing the full truth requires the whole picture. Anyone want to know what this is? Let's have a look. It's a moth. Who would have thought? <laughs> it was definitely not a skunk. So... Um, I really want us to get this today. Be very, very careful. We have to be very careful. And a full truth includes God's perspective. It says that Caleb, later we read in Joshua, that Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly, and he brought an honest and accurate report. And I have a sense that because he was able to follow God wholeheartedly, that he was able to bring the whole picture, and to see the whole picture, and to see the whole truth. So we have two different reports. We have two, one group of people that travel through the Canaan, the land of Canaan, and they come back with two different reports. The one says, no, and they bring back a partial report. They bring back a report that's known as evil, Evil means, we kind of think evil is like really evil, but it means without God. They bring an evil that, uh, they bring a report that doesn't include God. They bring, and they incite the people. And we're going to look at that again just now. The other report is go. That is a full report. It's an honest and it's an accurate report. And it's a report that invites the people to go. Invites the people to step into the promises that God has for them. It's important to also recognize that go is not blind faith. When God calls us to go, he doesn't say, close your eyes and I'm going to lead you. And I love the scripture where we hear about Abraham. It says that Abraham, in Romans 4, Abraham looked at the facts that his body was as good as dead, that his wife was apparently barren, the wife that he loved, the wife of his youth, was apparently barren. But he remained absolutely convinced that God was able. God doesn't expect us when we go towards what he's calling us to, to neglect the challenges. To neglect seeing that there are enemas that we are going to be facing. But he calls us to bring him into the whole equation. And that's the full truth. That is the full truth. So... Whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, we all get to influence. We might influence five, we might influence thousands, but we all carry influence in what we say, in how we act, in our attitudes, in how we think, and how we engage with each other. And through that influence, we get to invite people to step into the bigger story, into God's story. Or we get to incite people away from entering into God's story. And that's what we get to do. We get to invite people towards the future God has for them. But I want to encourage us, please let us look at ourselves and make sure that we are not inciting people away from their futures and from what God has for them through the words. What are we doing with our influence? And sadly in this case, the ten spies carried the greater influence. It says in Deuteronomy 1, they made the courage, they made the courage of the people fail. In Joshua 14, they made the heart of the people melt in fear. Are we... Making people melt in fear or are we imparting courage? Are we encouraging people, those around us? But not only did the leaders, the people of influence, incite the whole group. The people actually incited each other because we are told that they murmur, murmured and grumbled and complained in their tents behind closed doors a very, very dangerous place to be. To be talking about others, to be spreading rumors, to be telling lies behind closed doors. And as they did that, the report, what they'd heard, grew. We now start to hear that the cities were up to the heavens. And the sad thing about inciting is that when we incite one another, we start to believe incorrectly about God. And these were some of the things they started to say. Because the Lord hates us. I mean, that's not just God doesn't really care. That's strong. Because the Lord hates us. He has taken us out of the land of Egypt And he's going to destroy us by the hand of the Amorites. And we we can sit here today and think, well, that's just really not God. But in some of our darkest moments, what is our belief? Do we believe that God really cares for us? Do we believe that God really loves us? Or is he out to destroy us? Our wives and our children will be victims Was it not better for us, in Egypt, in slavery, in bondage, in that narrow place? Let us look for someone to take us back. It is always easy to find someone who will take us backwards. Always. We work in Addiction Recovery, Project Exodus, And one of the things that people in recovery have to face, let's think of alcoholism. Someone can be sober for 18 months and they'll go to a family dinner and it'll be just one drink. Just a little bit. And they're back in Egypt. We have to be really careful that we are not enabling people to go back to places where they are restricted, where they are in bondage. But we are encouraging people to go forward. And ourselves, are we looking for those people who are taking us forward, who are challenging us to go forward towards what God has for us? Or are we finding people that we are comfortable with who are going to be saying, oh, you are just amazing as you are or who are going to take us back. And so I want to encourage us to be very intentional about looking for leaders who will influence us by inviting us and by drawing us into God's future for us. So Moses, even though they've said this, Moses continues to invite them. He continues to say, guys, let's just remember, and I love that we sang about that this morning, but let's remember this God that we serve. Let's remember that He has gone before us all the way, right up today. If we stand and sit, or we stand and sit, that doesn't make sense. But if we stand today and we look back on what God has done for us, we need to take those moments to see the faithfulness of God. We need to stop and look at the faithfulness of God. And he says, God has gone before you up to now. And he ha- will fight for you, just like he did in Egypt, just like he did in the wilderness. And he has carried you as a father carries his son. From that time, right up to now. It's a beautiful image. God carries us. Said he went ahead of you in the journey. Fire by day, I got it wrong. Fire by night, cloud by day. But he went ahead of you to show you the way, to search out the places and to show you the way that you should go. And God still does that. He still shows us the way to go. No matter what our age, he still goes ahead of us. He's given us the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. And he's promised that he will never leave us and never forsake us. So at that point, any good series will leave you with a cliffhanger. I'm exiting out the story and I'm leaving you with a cliffhanger. But if you need a bit of closure, Numbers 13 to 14, Deuteronomy 1, and there's a nugget in Joshua 14, and we'll come back to that next week. But for now, I'm going to wrap it up. When we study the Word, we can either skim through it, or we can sit in it. And we want to sit, I want to encourage us today, to sit in three points, to take three things away, because that's what Mark Van Straten said, Gabe said, and apparently Gabe is the favorite ginger in this church, so I changed my hair color. So, (laughs) nobody playing. (laughs) Three points. Sitting in the Word, apparently, is like doing reps in a gym. <laughs> um, I did go to Pilates last weekend, and we did some really hectic work. Anyone who thinks Pilates is, 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 has not been to a proper Pilates class? <laughs> we had to do some core muscle work. And it was not fun. And literally you hold that position for what felt like an eternity to lengthen, strengthen, and tone that particular muscle group. I think it's a group. But if I'd gone there for 10 seconds and then moved on, nothing would have happened. And that's what exercise is about. And that's what spiritual discipline is about. And I love the way Eugene Peterson says this. I've just finished a book by him, and he's got such a beautiful way of expressing God's truth. But this is from the Message Bible in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. It says, exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful. Thanks, Eugene. They are useful. But a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit, both today and forever, and so we're going to look at three things that will make you fit, first of all, when we've actually touched on them so I don't need to go into great detail, keep the future in mind, are we bringing the future into the current world? Into our current realities. And I love this. Also in the message to Corinthians 5, verse 5, it says, The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. How beautiful is that? Secondly, what are our influences and where are we influencing? If I am to influence well by inviting other people to step into God's story, I need to be well-influenced. So let's be intentional about choosing who and what our influences are. And thirdly, let's make sure that we do not necessarily settle for partial truths, but we take time and make the time to explore full truths. So this is it. Through the Holy Spirit, we are able to get truly fit. Remember, partial truth, we are not able to go up. But with God, full truth, we are able. And It's through the Holy Spirit that we can truly get fit spiritually. Experience the future kingdom now. Use our influence to invite rather than incite to be guided into all truth. And this verse sums it up so beautifully. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide, influence us into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but will say only what he hears. He will also announce to you the events of the future. Future, influence, truth. Thank you.